right, well, hello, and uh, welcome to this new edition of the Probe Podcast. My name is Paul Rutherford. I'll be your host today. We'll be having an exciting conversation about climate change, one I've been looking forward to having for some time. I am, as you probably know, Research Associate here with Probe Ministries. Probe exists to help Christians think biblically, to think with a biblical worldview. The other six days of the week, I often like to say, not just on Sunday. And today, to have this conversation about climate change, I have my esteemed colleague, Dr. Ray Bolin, here with me. Hey, Paul. Glad to be here. Hey, thanks. Hey, Ray, you haven't been uh, on this podcast yet. Why don't nope. you give us, give our listener a little bit of a background on you? I often like to say, why is it are you talking about this topic today? That's kind of <laughs> how I like to set up my, sure. my guest. Overall, my college education has been all in biology. For I have a bachelor's degree from University of Illinois in zoology. Mm-hmm. I have a master's from UNT in basically population ecology or evolutionary biology. And okay. I have a PhD in molecular and cell biology from U- University of Texas at Dallas. So okay. all my education has been in biology. But at Probe, I've addressed just about any issue that engages scientific information. I am primarily the major science apologist, if you will. And while I've talked about the Christian and the environment and whether as Christians do we have any sort of environmental obligation, which I agree we do, mm-hmm. I was a bit – I don't want to say the word afraid, but I was cautious about addressing this issue because it's been around now for almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I hesitated because often Christians are declared to be anti-science. And if I was going to come out against what seemed to be a scientific conclusion about the Earth is warming because of human-produced carbon dioxide, which is a greenhouse gas, I wanted to be really careful and be sure that before I ever really said anything about it, I was going to be convinced one way or the other. Okay. So it was about, I don't know, 10 years or so ago, I, I wrote my first article for Probe on just called global warming at the time. It wasn't called climate change. Yeah, it hadn't point. been called that yet. No. They're still calling it global warming, yeah. But as the climate, if I can use that word, <laughs> has become mm-hmm. more shrill over this issue, and you read about it almost every day in almost any secular or regular media sources. The Dallas Morning News, where where we're here in Dallas, has an article almost every day talking about this issue of climate change. Mm -hmm. And the scare tack that is being put out there is that we probably have only about 10 years left to be able to solve this and begin to retreat or at least limit the amount of global warming that will happen before 2100. Otherwise, the Earth could become uninhabitably warm, or they even use the word hot. So, I decided to write about it again because so much information is being misused. Okay, great. And so, I hear you saying that you wanted to be cautious, you wanted to make sure you had formed your opinion on it, mm-hmm. in part because there's a lot at stake, is what I hear you saying. There is, because yeah. Especially in mainstream media, there's a lot of alarmism about there it. There is. And so, for you, listener, I want you to know that the conversation that we're going to take today is one that's not popular, one that's <laughs> not mainstream, nope. uh, because you, Dr. Ray, have some uh, very serious concerns about some of the climate science, and at least what's being um, promoted, what, mm-hmm. what's being advertised, what's being put out by a lot of mainstream, even news sources, which are most of the time legitimate, um, the, nor- the sources themselves. Mm-hmm. We're talking, you know, CNN, MSNBC, uh, Fox News, New York Times, LA mm-hmm. Times, I mean, 
all of them, right? So, and we're not talking about the news sources themselves as much as the position they're taking on climate change. And so, for you listener, you want you to listen up because this is going to be a little bit different. Hopefully, we'll ask some questions you haven't mm-hmm. haven't asked yourself before, and hopefully, we're going to give you a perspective that you haven't as well. Because I know some of the more interesting insights you have, Doctor Ray, are asking different questions of the data, which we're mm-hmm. going to get into in a minute, yep. and also maybe taking a different perspective on some of the data as well. But before we get into it any further, I do want to ask you a very important question, okay. which is, what do you do for fun? I know that you like to take your dog for walks. Oh, we have a, a precious nine-year-old male golden retriever, mm. and his name is Baylor. Not that I have anything to do with Baylor University. Sick but, bears. But the original owners did. And we got him when he was about four years old. Oh, I see. But, uh, yeah, taking him on his morning walks, he'll go out there no matter what the weather is if I go out there. Oh, I see. He's very loyal that, Oh, Dad. he's very loyal to Dad. Yeah. And um, if it's if in the middle of the day it's raining hard mm-hmm. and I, he wants to go out front, so he thinks, so I let, let the door open, I'm not going out there with him. Sometimes he will go out a few steps, look at me. And come right back. Because <laughs> I'm not going out going? there. If you're not, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going out there. <laughs> that's that's funny. That's good. That's good. Well, uh, I just I know that underscores that your dedication to biological science is not just academic. No, nope. it's also a passion of yours. You yeah, love your I dog. Like to, as I like to say, I'm a critter guy. You love critters. I love the critters. You yeah. do. You do. So there's skin in the game for you. There's passion here for you as well. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so. This most recent article that you have posted at probe.org is titled Climate Change. Yep. So, listener, if you're, you're tuning in and you want to find it, you can go find it. Check it out on our website, probe.org. Uh, Dr. Bowen, I think you frame it up really well just in the first section, yeah. t- which is subtitled, Are Human Beings Threatening All We Hold Dear Through Climate Change? Yeah. <clears throat> and you ask the question, you frame it up. It seems like we're going to talk about pretty much three different things. We're going to ask the question, hey, this climate change is going on. Are humans causing it? What role does CO2 have to play in it? Carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. What about severe weather? Right. In terms of uh, frequency and severity of hurricanes, tornadoes, droughts, all kinds of stuff like that. All kinds of things, yep. And then lastly, sea levels, Antarctic ice, and polar bears. Yeah. Those poor polar bears. Those polar bears. Oh, they're so cute. They I are. love those. Well, at least the pups are. Uh, yes, <laughs> the especially cubs. The, the cubs are. The, the little ones. Are they called cubs? Is that what they're, they're called? They're cubs, yeah. yeah they're polar cubs. Polar bear yeah. cubs. So cute. And I see why Coca-Cola uses them oh, yeah. during the winter, because the cute Those factor, animated things are, are as precious as they can be. Through the roof. <laughs> All right. So that, that's how I understand kind of the structure okay. of, of your article. And, it, and my hope for today's conversation, even just in the conversation to ask you to come on this podcast, <laughs> we spent, what, 15 minutes even yeah. just talking about one of these issues. So there's a lot we can talk about. And my hope for the next uh, five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so is really probably just to be kind of an introduction to yeah. these ideas and, and talk about them, introduce them, but also to give you the, the freedom to go beyond what you posted in, mm-hmm. in writing on this transcript, which you can find on the website, listener. Yeah, and and to talk through those issues. Okay. So, I'll give you the first shot if you want to continue where you were in terms of asking the question, either, you know, are human beings threatening all we hold dear, or if you want to go straight to to CO2? No, well, you know, the whole climate change discussion, it's fairly a recent change in terminology. It used to just be called global warming, or anthropogenic global warming agw anthropogenic simply meaning human cause all right i like learning new words and so climate change was a recent within the last 10 years or so 
uh, alteration of the term for whatever reason they wanted to get away from global warming. But that phrase can mean a lot of different things to many different people. Yes. For some, I think in the public particularly, it has become sort of a rallying cry, if you will, uh-huh. uh, for what they would term a shameful practice of burning fossil fuels that creates the carbon dioxide that can supposedly bring about imminent worldwide disaster. When I, I said imminent within 10 years. Right. Or at least 10 years would be a turning point. No turning back at that point. Climate change is also a way to bring about global cooperation as we fight against the danger of too much carbon dioxide in the air, I'm sure. Or the climate change agenda is a way for some scientists who are becoming increasingly political. And I've seen this develop over the last few decades in the sense that they want to push for a more socialistic policy of generating electricity. Now, what's happened now is there's almost no middle ground whatsoever on this conversation. You're either fully supporting the climate change of what I call alarmism, or you're, I would be called not a climate skeptic, but okay. a climate change denier. A denier. A denier. They just go straight to denial. They go, obviously, when you use that phrase, like with the Holocaust, a Holocaust denier is someone who says the Holocaust never happened. Right. Even though we have multiple lines of independent evidence, yes, it did. So, if I'm a climate change denier, that means I'm disagreeing with the scientific facts. And that I I just choose to deny it, even though it's definitely true. So, do you accept that label? Uh, what do you think about that label? Well, the, the label is is uh, meant to be demeaning. Okay. Uh, so, no, I, I prefer climate change skeptic. You prefer climate skeptic. Climate skeptic, okay. yes. All right, now, so there's three groups. So that's what I, I'm just trying to yeah. summarize. What I hear you saying is there's basically kind of three understandings <clears throat> mm-hmm. of climate change yes. or three groups of people. I, I, read, I read this and I thought there's yeah. kind of three different groups of people. For maybe the public, it's kind of like a rallying cry. Yeah. Hey, we need to stop burning fossil fuel. Right. Uh, there's a second group that is um, – I think I missed the second group. But the third group is <laughs> where scientists are looking at, at science and wanting to engage politically – to change policy on, right. a, on an international level on how nations use fossil fuels. Yeah, or, or how they generate electricity altogether. Okay, thanks. And even almost like some groups are wanting to eliminate all fossil fuels within 10 years. Okay. And they haven't really thought the repercussions or the cost or to them it doesn't matter because it's saving the planet, which we have to do supposedly. Okay. Now, the group of scientists are – Utilizing the power of the United Nations, you may have heard of this international panel, abbreviated IPCC, International Panel on Climate Change. Mm -hmm. That's been in existence for well over 20 years Mm -hmm. or 30 years. Okay. And uh, they're using their own reputations as scientists to proclaim that the use of fossil fuels has to come to an end. Well... And the idea is that this would prevent the rising levels of carbon dioxide in our atmosphere from generating what they sometimes actually call a runaway global warming that will lead to droughts, flooding, hurricanes, tornadoes, rising sea levels, and all sorts of dangers. And this vision can seem quite threatening. And I would say that many of our younger people who likely have been receiving a heavy environmental education through high school 
even when when my my sons are forty and thirty eight, and they were receiving it when they were in, okay. in elementary and high, high school. Mm-hmm. But you know, you often would simply think, well, scientists are objective, right? Yeah, I mean that that's the real. They're not going to promote something the evidence doesn't support. Well, as I like to say, scientists are human, and their worldview will affect their conclusions. And I'm convinced that some scientists are presenting a scenario of this human-induced global warming that the scientific evidence simply does not support. Okay. Now, you can always choose little points of data that can make your point for a localized area or phenomenon such as severe weather that would say, well, that must be right. But you have to look at the longer term. You have to look at all the evidence, not just pieces of it. And as you mentioned earlier, the main culprit here is this gas carbon dioxide, which is what's produced when you burn fossil fuels. The main gas that's emitted is carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. Also, water is produced as well. Okay. Yeah, I was just about to bring this up. I was going to say, well, let's let's go ahead and start yeah. talking about CO2. Let's go ahead and start talking about carbon dioxide, because I know there's several points you want to make there. And I think one of the early ones was about temperature, global temperatures being on the rise. Yeah. Now, global temperatures have risen since about the mid-1900s. From about 1850, 1860, they've been rising until the okay. current time. And there was a brief lull in that temperature rise from about 1940 to about 1975. And I'm old enough to remember that the scare in the late 70s was our re-entering the next ice age because temperatures had been cooling somewhat. And in defense of that, we've seen over the last, you know, several thousand years that the Ice Age comes and then lasts for about 40,000, 50,000 years at times. And then there's a warming that occurs that lasts somewhere between ten and 12,000 years. And then it starts to get cold again. Well, we're at that ten to 12,000 year of the current warming from the last Ice Age. So, you would ag- so geologically speaking, we're due for another Ice Age. Coming Basically, coming according soon. to the pattern. If and that the pattern continues. And that pattern has about... Five iterations over the last 200, 300,000 years. Interesting. Now, one of the things you pointed out in your article that I thought was fascinating, when you talk about global temperatures changing and rising, you were just talking about kind of a cooling period in this decade of the 70s. Mm-hmm. One thing that, as I mentioned in the, in the beginning of, of this <clears throat> podcast, was just how the data begins to look different if you take a different yeah. perspective or look mm-hmm. at it from a... You were just talking about a geologic perspective. Right. There's 10,000 right. years where there's yeah. a global warming followed by a quick global cooling, and that's happened multiple times. We're talking yes. tens of thousands of yes. years. But one thing you mentioned was uh, in recent years, the past 100 years, 150 years, that the Earth does seem to have warmed. Yes. But what I thought was interesting was by how much it had warmed. Yes. And I hope I'm not stealing your thunder no, here. No, no. But... <laughs> It's only warmed by about one degree Celsius. Yes. In about the last 150 years, which is fascinating because given the severity of the alarmism Mm -hmm. that you're talking about, you would think it was 10 or 15 degrees, as if in the last century or so, we're significantly warmer. Now, one degree just doesn't seem that significant (laughs) to me. I'm not a scientist, but it doesn't seem 
that's almost like that's we, that almost seems like a margin of error. I mean, we're talking about yeah, a hundred years it, different on technology and recording temperatures. Yep. So I'm sure there's some degree of variance there. I mean, well, and then the reason taking that evidence, then they plug that information into computer models that have been generated to help try to predict what's going to happen in the future. And already, when those climate models started being used and broadcast somewhere around about 1990 or so, the projected temperatures were already well below what the projected temperatures were going to be. In other words, the Earth has not warmed as much as they said it would. I mean, as of now. Even as of now. Over 30 years, in a sense, you know, every... A scientific graph you look at often has a line that's the basis of what they're using. This is the basic information. Mm-hmm. But there's also on either side error bars Yes, that tell you that, yeah, the line we drew for you might be right, but at least it's going to be between these two error bars, a little mm-hmm. bit above, a little bit below. Mm-hmm. Well, our temperatures are already below the error bars of oh. the original computer models. From back in the 90s, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So... Again, how, how do you, how much of the evidence do you look at? What specific evidence? There's a lot of climate scientists, meteorologists who are claiming we simply can't trust these climate models because they're not accurate even over the last 30 years. They've overestimated how much warming there should have been by now. Yeah, given what you're just talking about, that just reminds me of what Mrs. Riley taught me in fifth grade about science. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe I'm importing some of the things I learned later, but science is models to describe reality. And Mm -hmm. we do tests to see if our model works. Yes. And if the model works, if it bears out, if the evidence, if the findings from the experiment are consistent with the model, then we keep it. And if it's wrong, we throw out the model. Mm -hmm. And we create a new model. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me like if what you're saying is true, that the current trends or where the temperatures currently sit is below the error bars from models created in the 90s, just throw out the model. We should be creating new models. That's what you would think. That seems reasonable to me. (laughs) Well, what they do is they just readjust the model slightly to try to put it back in the realm of possibility for where temperatures are today. And they used to say that by 2100... We could be on track for about a 5 to 7 degree Celsius increase in global temperatures. 5 to 7 degrees. Yeah, that would be a big deal. That would be a, yes. That's uh, about, well, about 10 to 15 degrees Fahrenheit. If it gets 10 degrees Fahrenheit warmer here in Dallas in the summer, this is going to be a miserable place to live. (laughs) Okay? Yeah, very hot. Very miserable. But they've already scaled that back. They're only saying now that the highest amount of warming possible really is about more like three to five degrees Celsius. So they've readjusted the models, and now the projections are lower than what they were. Okay. Um, So so the models are changing somewhat, which would be fair somewhat on on, on what they're saying. But also, again, what they're predicting seems drastic, especially considering, again, the record being that over the last 150 years, we've only gained one degree Celsius. Yeah. So that's that's a very significant change. One degree Celsius is about one and a half degrees Fahrenheit. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm really bad at that conversion. <laughs> yeah. Celsius, Fahrenheit. I just know when they're low, they're pretty close. Yeah. That's the only <laughs> right. thing that saves yeah. me. Anything more than that, I got to start... I Google it. I'll just confess. That's what I. That's how I convert it. <laughs> no, we only have a few more minutes left before 
you know, we're close to time. And I, I wanted to, we've talked a little bit about CO2 in general. Mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit about the temperature of the earth. Let's at least, if we're going to set this up as kind of an introductory podcast, let's talk about some of the more, shall I say, inflammatory issues <laughs> like uh, sea levels. Yeah. For example, it, it seems what I hear from climate change proponents is that as the temperature of the earth rises, the Arctic ice and Antarctic ice mm-hmm. is going to start melting and then the sea levels will rise and we mm-hmm. should effectively head for the hills. Well, that, that simply is not true. Sea level rise, there's been an increase that took place just at the end of what we call the Little Ice Age, which is a familiar term that's used in meteorological circles for a period from about 1500 to about 1750 where things got much colder. There were worldwide famines, all kinds of uh, issues took place, couldn't grow enough crops to feed everybody. But then when that ended, right around 1650, temperatures started to rise again. And as those temperatures started to rise, well, glaciers receded. Greenland ice started melting a little bit more. So sea levels did pick up an increase, but it happened well before we started burning fossil fuels. Mm. And the increase today, the, the average rate of sea level increase is about one inch per decade. And there is no increase in the rate of sea level rise. So the, the rate of sea level rising is about an inch per decade. Yeah. And what I hear you saying is over the past several decades, we don't have any evidence that indicates it's rising any faster. It seems right. to be consistently Correct. one inch per decade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, involved with that is in various places around the world, places like Venice and Miami, Yes. there's a greater increase in the sea level there but not because of rising sea levels. Venice is sinking into the soft soil beneath it. Miami is sinking into the soft soil beneath it. So it's far more because of the land is subsiding than it is because sea levels are rising. They never add that. No, that's interesting. They'll just talk to you about the floods that are coming in Miami. Venice was a recent news issue. Yes, but it's not just because of rising sea levels. It's because of the land is settling down. Interesting. Another piece of evidence that changes perspective yes. once it's added. Because mm-hmm. it's intuitive to think if sea levels are changing, especially that they're rising, yeah. Venice is a natural first place to go. What about yeah. cities that are right <laughs> – <laughs> Venice right on the on the water? Cities like – coastal cities like Miami, right next to the water. It, it's intuitive to wonder what's going to happen to those. So it, it would make sense for those to be evidence, to be marshaled by those who mm-hmm. are concerned about climate change. That, look, these cities are going to have drastic and severe and immediate consequences for what's going on. Yeah. But what I hear you saying is in both these cases, it has more to do with – the land on uh-huh. which the cities are constructed. Miami is built on swampland. The level of the sea. Miami is built on swampland, so that's not very firm soil. <laughs> so no, it's not. All that concrete and steel and all that—it's it's just pushing it down into the swamp. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so another issue where uh, climate alarmists are ringing the bell that sea levels are going to rise, and this is going to cause. Mm-hmm a mass pandemic of chaos and anarchy and that we really should buy real estate up in the hills in the Rocky mountains or the Himalayas or the Alps or wherever you whatever continent you live on. What I hear you saying is uh, that it's not borne out by evidence. We're not seeing global sea levels rise no. any, any much significantly. No, we're not. And I also heard you say historically across the world, we've seen changes in the level of, of the sea level. 
in the past. Yeah, it, for, it has changed in the past. For instance, most of the Roman ports that were built around uh, 100 BC or around that period of time, they're all inundated with water. The sea has risen three feet since the time of the Romans. So there's been ocean level rises for hundreds of years, thousands of years in the recent past. It has been increasing, but the rate of increase hasn't changed. Interesting. And so, again, with the kind of the broader context being, what did you call it, anthropogenic? Global warming, yeah. Global warming. That is Whether or not mankind is causing mm-hmm. these changes and these things that we do observe in the atmosphere and across the globe, when we can cite historical evidence that this has happened long before we began mm-hmm. the Industrial Revolution or releasing yep. mass amounts of CO2 and burning fossil fuels, creating electricity into the atmosphere, that would seem to, what's the word? undermine yeah. that model, whether or not it's a deliberate effect, a consequence of mankind's effect on the earth. Correct. Or because of industrialism and burning it might not fossil be enough fuels yet, in particular. It might not be enough yet to convince everybody, <laughs> but I hope that our listeners will begin taking some of this information into account and do some checking on their own. One uh, website I strongly recommend is called Climate Depot. Climate Depot. Climate Depot, and uh, it's run by a group that goes by the initials CFACT, Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow, or CFACT. There's literally dozens on the homepage articles listed every day, every week. New ones are being added all the time, and that website is beginning to be quoted more frequently than it ever has in the Mm. past. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so websites like Climate Depot, organizations like CFACT, Mm -hmm. this is all very helpful. One typical goal for our podcast is to give our listeners something they can can continue to investigate if they have further questions. Of course, you can go to our website. Dr. Bull and you yourself have other articles on, Mm -hmm. on, I think, global warming. Some of what the other one is called, this one's called Climate Change. You can check that at our website of always... And uh, the other thing was just that um, it depends on your perspective. It depends on how far back you go in terms of what looking at mm-hmm. the data, looking at the evidence. When it comes to severe weather, when it comes to levels of the sea, when it comes to the polar bears, a lot of the states of these things are just not as bad as mainstream media would like you to think. And one interesting thing, I guess, maybe this is one last fact to leave for this episode, Dr. Boland. How are the polar bears? Are polar bears disappearing? No, polar bears are doing just fine. Is that right? Thank you. Yes. Oh, good. Those um, cute little polar bears. Those cute <laughs> around polar bears. 1960, the polar bear population was estimated to be about 12,500 worldwide. Okay. And the recent data about populations is that they've more than doubled since 1960. Wow. More than doubled. Now, there is one small region of the Arctic where their populations are down a little bit, but every place else, they're increasing. And they wow. don't seem to be struggling with the lack of Arctic ice Okay, in the least. So. Okay. Unlike was indicated by the uh, last episode of one of my son's favorite shows, the uh, Octonauts. Ah. They were concerned about the polar bears and all the <laughs> lack of Arctic of ice flow for the polar bears. Uh, may have been somewhat misleading for my son, yeah. I see. Very interesting. Now, before we close out, uh, many of these facts we've been citing come from what resource? Tell our listener where a lot of this comes from. Give us the uh, audible citation, if you will. Well, the main uh, resource I used for the article on our website is called Inconvenient Facts, the Science That Al Gore Doesn't Want You to Know 
by Gregory Wrightstone. And Whitestone is a geologist, but he's a historical geologist, and he spends a lot of his time researching the Earth's processes over the past and is able and has wrote many things about ancient climates. So interesting. He's so, quite familiar okay. with the whole issue. Yeah, yeah sounds like it. So Wrightstone's uh, Inconvenient Facts. Yeah. So. Listener, if you want to go and find a copy of that yourself, you can check it out on Amazon, anywhere books are sold, I'm sure, to find out further details. So there you go. I think this is going to conclude our, our first conversation, mm-hmm. Dr. Bullen, on yep. climate change. Clearly, there was a lot more we could have talked yeah. about. We had to kind of hurry through some of this, but we wanted to give you, our listener, kind of a high-level understanding of some of the important topics, some facts that are not commonly known and that a lot of mainstream media outlets are not going to readily admit. And uh, Dr. Bullen, I, I think if this is fair summary, especially from reading the article, I think what you would want our listener to hear is if you hear mainstream media talking about climate change, ignore it. Basically. <laughs> yes. I hate to overstate the case, but that's some of the language you use in your article. <laughs> I might say I just have a healthy dose of skepticism about <laughs> where these facts are coming from, who they're coming from, and, and how they've been written up. Because m- yeah. more than likely, and I'm borrowing language from you here again, the journalists who are writing it are just repeating what they're hearing from mm-hmm. scientists whom they trust, yeah. and they're not trained in science themselves, and so they don't know to ask some of right. these other questions. Yep. So, to borrow the phrase from economics, buyer beware. In this case, <laughs> listener beware yeah. <laughs> to uh, who you're listening to, especially if it's from mainstream media. Yeah, if you have any other questions, uh, always be feel free to check out our website, probe.org, where we have other articles like this, in addition to uh, answers to questions about all kinds of stuff, Bible, science, truth, philosophy, probe.org really covers the gamut. So, uh, thanks for listening in today, and we will see you next time. Yeah.